Good morning, family. Well, it looks like we'll continue to walk through Lent together in this format, at least for the foreseeable future. This is the fourth Sunday in Lent, and we're moving closer and closer to Good Friday and ultimately to the empty tomb of Easter. In fact, for followers of Jesus, every Sabbath is itself a mini-Easter. It's a celebration of the living Lord. Once again, we turn to the Gospel according to John. And in John chapter 9, we have another story of Jesus moving an outsider to being an insider. Again, the Gospel reading is rather long this morning, but I'd like to read part of the story for you. Hear the word of the Lord. As Jesus went along, he saw a man, blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied. I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders, who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, 
I was blind, but now I see. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus came to a Jewish man who could not come to Jesus because he had been born blind. We don't know why he was born blind. Jesus' disciples don't know either. But they assumed, as people did back then and probably still do today, that his misfortune, his blindness, was a result of sin. Someone obviously displeased God, and the price for that sin was blindness. Who sinned so that this man would be born blind, the disciples ask? This man or his parents? Which is an odd question. How could this man sin before he was born? Did you sin before you were born? In their minds, someone sinned to cause this man's blindness. But Jesus wasn't interested in affixing blame. He just healed the blind man. Jesus spit onto the dirt to make mud a disturbingly unhygienic detail. Then he applied the mud to the man's eyes. Then Jesus told him to go bathe in the pool, and when he obeyed Jesus, he was healed. When the man went home, his neighbors didn't know what to do. In fact, his neighbors weren't even sure if he was the same guy. He assured them that he was, in fact, the same man they had known, and when his neighbors asked how he recovered his sight, he replied, Jesus did it. But that wasn't good enough for his neighbors, so they took him to the Pharisees, the religious professionals, who flipped out because A, it was Jesus who healed the man, and B, because the healing was done on the Sabbath. They peppered the man with questions. What happened to you? Were you really healed? Who healed you? The man answered, all I know is that once I was blind, but now I see. Jesus healed me. Now, Jesus wasn't exactly their favorite person, and he didn't have a medical degree, and he healed on the Sabbath, so he is in big trouble. The guardians of religion were infuriated at this, so they called the man's parents. Mom and dad sensed the controversy brewing and refused to get involved. Ask him. He's an adult. Let him speak for himself, they said. They called the man back in, and the Pharisees demanded that he give an explanation. The man, whose name we don't know, said, Look, I told you before, this morning I woke up blind. I've always been blind. I've never seen the snow fall or a flower bloom. All I know is this, once I was blind, but now I can see. This answer sent the religious goon squad into a frenzy, and they kicked the man out of the synagogue. Now, isn't that a curious story? On one hand, we should stop and celebrate the God who loves us so much that he gives sight to the blind and causes the lame to walk. But I want to go another way with this story. Jesus gave a blind man his sight, and no one celebrated no one rejoiced. No one was happy for the man. Instead, everyone wanted to point fingers and find fault. The people around him turned the miraculous into an intellectual or theological argument. And notice that while they bickered and argued and fussed with one another, something subtle happened. It's not immediately noticeable. 
Something subtle yet profound and vitally important took place. In the midst of the squabbling, Jesus disappeared. He was there, and he healed the man, and then during the religious dust-up, he disappeared. Jesus was the center of attention. He was the point of contention, but he was not present in the midst of the disagreement. And then, if we had continued to read, we would have discovered that Jesus reappeared only after the squabble was over. Isn't that curious? Maybe the point of the story is not that Jesus can give the blind their sight. And by the way, I think he can. I believe that to be true. I believe that God loves and cares for us, that he heals us, and that he is especially in tune with the hurts and needs of the poor and the needy. But maybe the point of the story is that when religious folks are bickering, when they should be loving, when they point fingers and find fault instead of loving, when they're more concerned about who's right and who's wrong than in showing love, Jesus tends to get lost. Jesus tends to disappear. Why? Because God is love. Jesus is the embodiment of that love. He's more concerned with loving people than playing power games. So perhaps we should be too. When there's a religious dust-up, Jesus is hard, if not impossible, to see. Could that be the point? That when we are more concerned with winning than loving, we lose sight of Jesus. Could the point be that when we are more concerned about who's right and who's wrong rather than how to love, that we lose sight of the fact that Jesus isn't concerned about such petty matters? Jesus didn't seem bothered over the how or the why of the poor man's blindness. He just wanted to make him better because Jesus loved him. Jesus wasn't even concerned about making sure that he got the credit. Did you pick up on that? When everyone else is worried about something miraculous happening on the Sabbath or happening outside of their theological box, Jesus gets lost in the noise. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to lose sight of Jesus. That's why Jesus told his disciples that we must do the work of him who sent us. I certainly don't want to waste my time arguing over things that aren't important to Jesus. I want to live a life of love. I want to spend my time and to expend my energy on the things that are near and dear to the loving heart of Jesus. How about you? Let's pray. Good and gentle God, you know our struggle to serve you. When sin spoils our lives and overshadows our hearts, come to our aid and turn us back to you again through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grant, we pray, that the words which we have heard this day with our outward ears may, through your grace, be so grafted inwardly in our hearts that they may bring forth in us the fruit of good living to the honor and praise of your name. Forgive us when we squabble. Forgive us when we fight. Forgive us when we exclude others because they don't fit our paradigm. 
Forgive us, we pray, for wanting to be right or for being more concerned about who's right and who's wrong that we lose sight of you and no one can see you in us. Father, we remember before you all those who are battling the coronavirus. We think of the poor and neglected persons whom it would be easy for us to forget, the homeless and the destitute, the old and the sick, and all who have none to care for them. Help us to heal those who are broken in body or spirit and to turn their sorrow into joy. Grant this, Father, for the love of your Son, who for our sake became poor, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And now, using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks again for joining me. Receive these words of benediction today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.